0: Hey friends, I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Erin Cusio, and this is Room for Lovely. One of the greatest privileges of my life was getting to be in California last November for a writer's conference with Bob Goff at the Oaks Retreat Center. It was, hands down, without a doubt, one of the most life-changing experiences I have ever had. Not only did I gain so much wisdom and encouragement, but I walked away with a pocketful of wonderful new friends. I can't wait for you to hear from my friend Chip Cash today. Solid, steady, wise, and kind. These are all words that I would use to describe Chip. His slow and easy demeanor, the way he speaks of his wife with such high regard, the obvious pride he has for his children. They all grandly display his character and the kind of man that he is. Today, I get to talk with Chip about his own father and the legacy he left that so greatly impacted his own journey to fatherhood. Welcome, Chip Cash. I have always had one of those names, I think, that people never called me just by Aaron. They always said my first and last name, and I feel that way about you. Do people always call you Chip Cash? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I do hear that a lot. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, dad's got a weird name too. So that, that also contributes to it. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely part of it.
0: Well, you and I had the pleasure of meeting out at the Oaks, but for people who may not know you, would you take a second and tell us a little bit about who you are and how you spend your days?
1: Sure. I, um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, from Charlotte, North Carolina, we've been here other than 10 years of some ministry stuff in school, uh, grad school, Uh, I've been in Charlotte and uh, came back in 2003. So we've been here, you know, coming up on 20 years. We've been back after 10 years away. Um, My wife is Emma, and we've been married for 28 years, uh, coming up on 28. And then uh, we have three kids ranging in age from 26 to 22. who will be 23 in a month. Other than that, I spend my days in ministry. I'm on board with Waypoint Community Church in Charlotte, and that's been just a real joy. I was uh, with another ministry for about 15 years and came on board with Waypoint as the small groups pastor a month before COVID. Oh, wow. And uh, so that was really, really <laughs> fun to try to start all that with COVID. Coming. But it's been just a, it's a great community of people and been a great church to be a part of. So,
0: That's awesome. Well, while we were out at the Oaks at the very end of our time together, we all kind of stood up and went around the room after seeing a short movie clip about our 20 seconds of insane courage and just kind of spoke out what we were going to do when we got home to continue these three days of really awesome time together. And you stood and said that you were going to write 40 stories about your dad. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what led you to that point and then what that looked like going forward?
1: Yeah, That I can't. I'm so impressed. You remember that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, um
1: yeah, I, you know, Aaron, it was one of those things where I think that was mid-November, as I recall, and that was about, uh, give or take, about 60 days before the first anniversary of dad's death. And I had, you know, kind of been, um, not not really hadn't been collecting stories, but being, being out there at the conference, I really mean it when I tell you, I just, it was one of those spur of the moment things. I think they were, we were about 10 people in and I was probably 10 people after that. And I realized, oh, I need to write stories about dad. And I just came up with the 40 stories about dad 40 days before, because I knew I had 10 days to kind of plan it or 15 days to plan it. And um, so that's really how it came about. It was really a spur of the moment, insane courage comment and ended up just uh, being a beautiful journey for me to do that uh, for 40 days. So it's pretty
0: awesome. So you went home and you followed through on that promise and you wrote 40 stories about your dad. I was fully invested in those stories and feel like I got such a beautiful picture of who your dad was and the legacy that he left behind. But one thing that I took away is his larger than life persona. It seemed Um, just his, from his name to the beautiful way that he loved your family. I lost my dad when I was not quite five years old. Mm. And in the wake of that, um, living my whole life without my dad, my family my mom and kind of his siblings and just our immediate family surrounding us always kept the legacy of my dad alive and kind of gave us those stories all through life. So I think that also helped me to kind of connect to those stories even more because it was so present for me remembering the stories that I had heard of my own dad growing up. But would you tell us a little bit about your dad, starting with his incredible name?
1: Uh, yeah. So his name is just unavoidable. Uh, Steady Cash. yeah. <laughs> Steady Cash is just one of those names It just, uh, you know, as, as I wrote about it, just people would everything from, you know, oh, come on, what's your real name? But so his middle name was Armistead. And my grandfather, you know, the, the do you want the long story or the short story?
0: Either one. <laughs> we'll take either one. All
1: right, I'll give you the long and you can edit if you need to. But the longer story is my grandfather was, was Red. His nickname was Red. He was Francis Armistead Cash. His nickname became red because he had brothers world war ii vets all those uh, guys were in world war ii and so when he had my dad his he named him by the same name francis armistead cash but because his middle name was armistead he named him steady and my grandfather was red but because of our last name he became ready pretty quickly so it was literally kind of ready and steady cash uh his father and son and then uh, and i got chipped for some reason, which I'm glad. But, um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but, so dad grew up in Bristol, Virginia. He grew up there and then went to Chapel Hill, met my mom at Chapel Hill and then ended up going to work for her dad uh, in the wholesale plumbing business. And that's what he did really his entire career, working career was in wholesale plumbing uh, based in Charlotte.
0: Was there anything you realized about your dad in writing these stories that you maybe hadn't thought of previously growing up with your dad? I mean, Clearly, he was a good dad. He was an incredible father to you guys. But as you wrote out all of these stories, was there anything that you realized maybe, man, I didn't realize this part of his legacy, or I didn't remember the influence that he had here?
1: Yeah, great question. I think uh, I would say, I don't know that it was something that I didn't know. I think as I've gotten older and as I've had kids, I've realized just how much more important it is just to be there. Uh, One of the, one of the blogs I wrote was F8 and be there, which is a a kind of a camera comment, but, you know, dad really lived his life that way. And, you know, when you're growing up, you don't, you don't know what your parents are doing. They're just living life, but reflecting back, especially again, as I, as I've had kids and, you know, Emma and I reflect, I just think, uh, you know, to, to be there for the kids, uh, to me, is just a tremendous gift to myself to be to have that time with them, and also to them, just to be able to give them that time. I mean, and I I know a ton of friends who grew up without dads. It's just a it is a real gift to be able to do that. So I would say that that's the thing that Dad did really really well. I mean, he was his own man. He was very human. Gosh, he just did that so so well for us.
0: It seems as though from reading your stories like I said, you painted such a beautiful picture of the character that he was in your life and the influence that he had. But it seemed as though he was in fact very steady in your life, um, that he was sort of this consistent figure all through life. And like you said, no one is perfect. Everybody's human. That's all We all understand that. But I think in a world where everyone is so busy, everyone is so rushed, he seemed to be just a very steady, unhurried man. Is that the way that he was?
1: yeah i uh I think that's a fair statement about Dad I mean he yeah you know, there does when he was in a hurry for sure <laughs> uh, we as teenagers we found that out but um no I would say that I think that really does sum him up he was not um you know I mean he had ambitions, but it never trumped kind of family time and he really did a great job of just you know being there for us, being there for mom. It's one of the things we did say, and he just loved my mom really well, and that was I think what also uh, we got to see as kids uh, over the years, especially
0: there was one particular story coupled with a video that you shared in those 40 days of stories that I did not make it through without a whole lot of emotion. I can't even imagine how you guys um, felt about that story and that video, but it is just the most incredible snapshot of the love of your parents. And later in life, your father, his health started to decline and um, sort of his faculty started to decline as well. And it is a a video of your mom sort of dancing around him, but they're dancing together. And the smile on his face is so beautiful. And it is such an incredible picture of a love that lasted. What was that sort of legacy like in your family?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. I mean, I know exactly which video you're talking about exactly which story. It just chokes me up even now hearing it, hearing you say it. But, you know, Aaron, uh, mom and dad really had just an unbelievable marriage you know they really just loved each other well and that was indicative of you know 50 plus years of of what they had had built together just that little snapshot moment of dad laughing and dad loved to laugh i mean really was a very funny guy he absolutely loved to laugh and he absolutely loved to dance with my mom and for him to be sitting in that chair and just you know kind of watching her dance and laughing was such a gift to us You know that late in his life, when when he couldn't talk as much and couldn't do as much, Um, but yeah, it really it was a product of the fifty years prior to it almost. It really was. We got to see that firsthand. We really did.
0: What do you think was the secret? Because I feel like in today's day and age, even hearing you say that you guys were coming up on twenty eight years of marriage, that is an incredible feat. I mean, we just don't hear of marriage is lasting like they used to. So for your parents to go 50 plus years, what do you think was the secret in helping them to hold on for so long?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I really would start with they both love Jesus and both love the Lord. And and that, that was the foundation, which even when the walls got broken down on stuff, that was the foundation that was always there. And I think the thing for me, I've been reflecting on this with dad, honestly, is I've been just um, listening to to you while I've been walking the dog um, the last couple of weeks and listening to your podcast and just thinking about dad. And I really have thought, you know, the thing about dad that was really stood the test of time and something that we really as kids saw, you know, people say, love God, love others. And dad did love God, but it was deeper than that. He really, like, he was the first person that I saw that had a serious, sincere relationship with God, where, you know, I watched him talk to God. I watched him listen to God. And, and so I really do think that that's what undergirded who he became was a product of, of really that foundation. And he and, I, he and mom both had that individually. And so I think then when they came together, you know, just their marriage ended up being built on that. And uh, and dad didn't know, I mean, you know, he did not become a Christian until a few years into the marriage. So it was kind of a beautiful story for them as well. Uh, but that really, that really was the foundation, uh, you know, and, and that doesn't you know, solve everything for everybody, but for them, it really was what they came back to. And um, it really was what I would point to is, is the reason that they just were so in love for so long.
0: Growing up, did you guys realize the strong family unit that you had, the the example of the good parents that you had, or is that something you realized later on in life?
1: Yeah, I think it was later, you know, because when you you're growing up, it's normal, you know, it's just it's what you, you know, even with all the stuff everybody has growing up, it becomes your norm. And so I think for us, it didn't feel weird to me uh, that my parents, you know, were the way they were. It just was that's. The way we grew up. And so it really was later on, I think, seeing other parents as we got older, seeing other parents as we got older, seeing our own, you know, relationships with our spouse and the older you get, you realize how special it really was for them. Um, but it was, yeah, I would say it was not something we realized early on. And I I think I would say that about the whole family. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, there were things we did later on in life that seemed normal to us just as a family to hang out together. You realize when you're older, well, that's not necessarily normal for everybody.
0: How do you think that growing up in that environment affected you as a dad and as a husband all these years later? Because you seem to be carrying out the example of steady cash being your own wonderful father and your own wonderful husband so how do you think that impacted you as you've grown up
1: um oh, these are great questions um i mean i first would say i'd be the first to say you know i I've not been perfect in terms of just, you know, with the kids, you know, gosh, there's so many things Emma and I have talked about. We'd go redo with the kids, you know. Um, I do think the thing that I would say it it affected me just to watch mom and dad was just to come back. You know, one of the things Ruth Bell Graham, I think she said, a happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. And I really did see mom and dad didn't hold on to things with each other. And that was a real testament for us to watch. And so I think, um, you know, learning as I grew up and learning as Emma and I worked out stuff in our marriage, just to and nothing big to forgive there, honestly, but it was just the the little stuff. To me, the little stuff is what piles up. And if you don't talk through it or get through it, it can really cause problems. And I think that we've just learned and and some of that was, you know, trial and error with the kids and with ourselves. But um, in terms of just walking it out, in my own marriage and life as a dad, um, I've made so many you know mistakes that I would love to go back and redo. Um, but it's just been, I think, being able to forgive yourself, and being able to forgive, ask forgiveness for things that you wish you had done a little bit differently. You know, when the kids were little or teenagers or whatever.
0: I think that that is a wonderfully well-packaged piece of advice that a marriage is just too good for givers, especially in today's day and age where I think so many people are so quick to toss it away. You know, they're not willing to work hard for it. They're not willing to forgive anything, whether it's something big and monumental, or if it's something small, like the day-to-day things that, you know, you didn't take out the trash or you didn't have this for me that I needed, or, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, And so I think that that constant attitude of forgiving is really huge. But I also noticed that you said, and also forgiving ourselves, because it's easy to hold those things against ourselves as well.
1: Like I said, it's been trial and error, walking it out, you know, that I've learned a lot of that.
0: Yeah. If you could take one little piece and kind of push it forward, you said that your role at the church was a community pastor. And so I know that you probably have influence over lots of different types of people If you could take one piece of advice and kind of toss it out there that you think we're missing, what would that be?
1: You know, I think I would say, I said it a little while ago, you hear love God, love others a lot. My experience has been that, you know, it's, that's in scripture. Hey, that's a great thing. But working out how much I'm loved by God is a very different thing and has had a profound impact on me and i don't mean really growing up that was really something that came later i feel like i for 2 years i said lord i want to understand how much you love me understanding that really i think that's what people people we try to do stuff to make god love us more and and i think really understanding how much god's love is all encompassing and does not is not based on what we do or don't do to me that is one thing i would love to just have everyone have that sink in to it's just the depth of our souls to understand how much we're loved by God. And that, that I think would be the, that'd be the one thing I'd love for to be able to communicate very clearly to people.
0: I think we could go off on several different tangents about that because that's such a good, solid piece of truth. But I think that not understanding that is where so many people tend to fall into these traps, because like you said they're working to prove their value. They're working to prove their worth. They're working to earn love, whether that's by God or by people or they're looking for it from God but they're trying to get it from people. Um, you know, I've only recently, I think, really started to dig into the expectations that I might place on my friends or my husband for this affirmation and I'm supposed to be getting it from God, you know? And so I think, like you said, understanding just how truly precious we are to him sort of takes the pressure off of a lot of those other relationships and situations because we then gain confidence in ourselves and who he created us to be. And that sets a whole different tone for the way we're reaching out in every other relationship in our lives.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I was walking in Israel is March of 2020. We ended up, we actually came home on March 11th. We were over the Atlantic and we're getting notifications like after being 11 days in Israel, getting notifications about the NBA shutting down, Trump shut down European travel. We're just freaking out because we've been gone for 11 days and it's all happening. One thing happened to me when I was walking in, in, I was walking up to En Gedi, which is waterfalls and caves. And I'm walking up and this um, this Jewish kid comes running by me. And he says, Abba, Abba, Abba. And then he, he says something in Hebrew to his dad. I've known, you know, I went to seminary. I've, I've known Abba means daddy. I've heard that. You know, it's in scripture. But I got to tell you, Aaron, like watching that kid say his dad's name that way is the first time I really understood the intimacy and the the care with which um, a kid would say that. And then I saw a little girl get hurt and cry out for her dad and saw a couple other things. And it really hit me for the first time, that relationship that God desires to have with us. It it really was one of the catalysts for me of really understanding how much God loves us, that that's the way he wants me to approach him. And and that's just a tremendous, that's a game changer. I I really do think it's one of those things that uh, can transform people's hearts and minds
0: got chills whenever you said that, because my goodness, what a beautiful picture that is. And for us to understand that that is the way that he loves us and cares for us. I think though, that, you know, for me, even though I didn't have my, my dad for very long, he was a great dad. And for you, you had years of a legacy of an excellent dad. What would you say to the people who have not had a good dad, who are trying to wrap their heads around the way God wants to love them as a loving father? but they don't know that love from their earthly father.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a huge one, honestly. And even if you, I mean, I had a great dad, but there were times when he wasn't great. Yeah. I feel like I've been a pretty good dad. There certainly times when I wasn't a great dad. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, most of my career in ministry I've spent with people who are kicking the tires on life and faith in God, and to me, this is one of the big questions. How can I picture God as a heavenly father um, if my dad wasn't perfect? And I've said to people for years, no matter what, no matter how good or bad your dad was or how long he was in your life, for a period of time, your picture of God is formed by the dad that you had for a period of time, maybe a short period, maybe a long period. But I think to really get away from and separate earthly human broken dads from the idea that there is an abba a father in heaven who is loves us beyond measure not based on what we do or don't do his understanding far exceeds our understanding and even in the really really tough times when very difficult things happen to understand that uh, that's not god's desire for us not his plan long term uh, is it's really hard, I think, to separate some of the earthly stuff that happens, walk with people for a long time. And some of that, uh, it's really hard. But I think to to be able to separate that and see God for who he is and not see him through the lens of the earthly dad that we had, no matter how bad or good uh, is really important and really tough. It takes, takes some, some time to be able to do that.
0: That's good wisdom. What do you hope that your legacy is as a dad?
1: You know, I hope it's F8 and be there. I, I really do. And that's, you know, I, I mentioned that about dad earlier. F8 is just a middle of the road setting on a camera. He taught me to take pictures. And uh, a famous photographer once said, when asked, what's the secret to taking great pictures? He replied, it's F8 and be there. In other words, just put your camera on the middle of the road setting and just be there to take the picture. Uh, as I said, a dad's funeral, it's, it's not just the way he took pictures, it's the way he lived life. And I really believe that. And I, I hope my legacy for my wife and for my kids is that uh, I was an F8 and be there kind of dad who was, you know, it's just the little moments, Aaron. I'm just convinced it's the little moments and not so much the big ones that make a difference um, for for families, for kids, for dads, for moms, the whole deal.
0: Love it. Absolutely love that. I appreciate so much you sharing your wisdom. I'll be interviewing my brother soon. And it's funny, my brother is, gosh, we're, we're all getting older, so I'm forgetting ages, but I think he's like 35 now. But if I could take a picture of him and sort of flash forward, he reminds me so much of you. And so maybe that's why I just appreciated your personality, but just so calm and kind, and wise. And that is who you have become to me. So I appreciate you sharing your story and being steady and being there and giving us your good wisdom.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Aaron, very much. Can't wait to meet your brother. That'd be great.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Before you go, I always end with this very last question and that is tell me something good. Often here in our home, just after the craziness of the day, sometimes I will stop and say, Hey, tell me something good. And it just kind of refocuses us to no matter what happened, like let's think of something good and it can be something big or something small, but what is good in your life right now?
1: Mm, great question. We used to, this is one of the things I miss as empty nesters. We used to do highs and lows with the kids and uh, I miss those days. of sitting around the table doing that. Uh, what's good right now? Gosh. I mean, I have to say my relationship with my wife, my bride is just, I really mean it. I, I'm I'm not just saying it. I, we are in a season that's just been incredible. Miss the kids like crazy because they're not here. But at the same time, we're just in a new season and it's a new house that uh, we're just getting settled in. And it's just been a, um, that's been very, very good.
0: Guys, thank you for listening today. It means the world to me that you take time out of your week to spend with me. If you are enjoying these episodes, would you be so kind as to like, share, or leave a rating or review? For podcasts like mine, all of these things help the show to grow and reach all the ears that need to hear it. And I am more grateful than you could ever know for each and every one of you. Also, if you're new here, we've got some really great episodes that you might have missed out on. Take some time this week and go back and catch up so you don't miss a thing. In a world where there is so much noise and confusion, Chip Cash is a breath of fresh air. A good, solid husband, father, and friend. With the constant barrage of highlight reels that surround us and try to drown us in comparison and inadequacy as we search for more, better, busier, Chip is definitely an F8 and be there kind of guy. He reminds me that consistency and showing up are a huge part of the battle. And often it's in those little moments of remaining constant that we can make the most difference and the most lasting impact for the people around us. This week, I hope that you are challenged to slow down, breathe deep and simply be there. Maybe even take a picture and make some room for Lovely.